Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. For more information, please call 234-803-481-0869 or for free audio downloads, kindly visit www.davidogaga.org Okay, this morning I want to continue with our subject on the Lord is there. This is part three. As a matter of fact, yesterday I couldn't know how to go on because of the things I was seeing from this particular subject. And I, I was just telling my wife, I don't know how we're going to continue with this. Because there's so much the Lord begins to share with me or reveal to me from this particular passage. And I want to sincerely encourage everyone, the viewers, on the streamlining, just pay close attention to what I'm about to say. And for you to understand, because what I'm about to share with you brings you to the place of accurate understanding of who you are today and what God has really done. And how that you, your status in life ought to be changing constantly and continuously. By reason of the Father, God has chosen to make you His temple, His dwelling place. It's not for flippancy talks, it's not just some religious imagination. The reality of what God has in mind is that you are truly His temple. So He said, The Lord. Is there. Let's take our text again. Ezekiel 48, verse 34. Ezekiel 38, verse 34. The Bible says, At the west side, 4,000, speaking about the city, and 500, with the three gates, one gate of God, one gate of Asha, one gate of Naphtali. Verse 35 is what we are totally dealing with. It was round about. 18,000 measures, and the name of the city from that day shall be the Lord is there. And I told you the word the Lord is there means Jehovah Shammah. Hallelujah. Jehovah Shammah. That's what I told you. What it means the Lord is there. So he's speaking about the presence of God in your life, the unveiling of his manifold wisdom and power within and in you. Now, we want to deal with something very precise today. Look with me, Jeremiah 3, verse 16. Jeremiah 3, verse 16. And this is what he said. And it shall come to pass, when they be multiplied and increased in the land, with this city now. Remember that? Very good. With all the tribes having their various portions of land allocated to them. In those days, hear the Lord, they shall say no more the ark of the covenant of the Lord. They shall say no more. Neither shall it come to mind. Neither shall they remember it. Neither shall they visit it. Neither shall that be done anymore. 17 says, At that time, they shall call Jerusalem, which is the church, the throne of the Lord. And all the nations shall be gathered into it. Then the name of the Lord to Jerusalem, neither shall they walk anymore after the imaginations of their evil hearts. 
The word imagination truly taken means stubbornness and unbelief. Now two things I want you to pick from that passage. A time comes when the Lord is saying, the Lord is there. Now remember, the ark was actually the symbol of the divine presence of God. Given to the Jews as a token and a pledge of God dwelling among them. And the Bible is saying, it shall no longer be necessary that men make reference to that ark at any point in time in a journey. Why? Because the Lord is going to be in his temple. The symbolism was taken away. God is saying, you won't remember anymore anything called the ark. That is why, I'm sorry to say, religion is still trying to teach us that men are going to go to Jerusalem and the new temple is going to be built and the arts, I mean, camp are going to be killed. Men, the word of God said that thing can never come to mind anymore. Why? Because the presence of the Lord is in your life. The natural is going away. The physical and symbolic things are giving way to the reality of what the ark is. And I want to assure you, the ark of God is right inside your heart right now. You don't need to travel to Jerusalem to find the ark of God. Think about it. What was in the ark? The laws, the showbread, and what? Aaron's rod that bought it. Which speaks about life. Which speaks about the word of God. That's just it. The word of God and then the life that bought it and the showbread. Which is to see your face. Because the word showbread means to show face. Glory to God. Are you listening to me? And this is just what God did. And God is telling us here in the day that is coming, which is our day, because this was prophetic of the church. The man will no longer remember the ark. Neither will they talk about the ark. It will not come to mind. Glory to God. Why? Because the Lord is there. Now, if you understand what happened when Israel was going to war with the Philistines, anytime they bring the ark, what happened? The people will be shouting that God had come to the camp of the people. To them, the ark was actually God moving to fight the wars with them. And so that tells you the same thing. It simply means if you truly come to that understanding that God resides within you, your enemies will be afraid because you will spoke with boldness, I mean you speak with boldness, you will understand that you are a carrier of the divine presence of God. You don't need a physical thing to indicate God is present with you. You only need to know that He is right there. Because He said, at the time and this day that I'm talking about, anything that has to do with the physical act, will no longer be remembered. Remember, he said, it will not come to mind. Read it again. Let me show you what it says. Verse uh, 16. And it shall come to pass, when you be multiplied and increased in the land, in those days, say the Lord, they shall say no more the ark of the covenant of the Lord. Neither shall it come to mind, neither shall they remember it, neither shall they visit it, neither shall that be done anymore. All of those ceremonies are over. Glory to God. That ark is now within you. You are the carrier of the ark of glory. 
And if the enemies were afraid of the Philistines of Israel because of the ark, I prophesy to you today, enemies will have to be afraid of you because of the divine presence of God. For he said, the Lord is there. The Lord resides within you. And you must come to that understanding. You are not just, you see, you don't know who you are. <laughs> and that's why sometimes, like in the book of Ezekiel, he said, the Lord said, show the temple to the temple. You got to know who you are, that you are truly the temple of the Lord. Reveal the temple to the temple. Praise the Lord. Verse 17 again, and he said, that time they shall come to Jerusalem, the throne of the Lord. And the Bible tells you that you have to have boldness to enter to the throne of God, to seek for mercy and justice. You don't need to travel to Jerusalem. Listen to me. If God wanted us to go to Jerusalem to meet with God, Jesus will say what he said in the book of John chapter 4. The hour is coming, and now is, when shall neither go to Jerusalem nor in that mountain to do what? To worship the Lord. For they that worship in the worship where? In spirit and in truth. In their spirit. That's where God is. God is not in Jerusalem. It's a historical place anybody can visit. But that's not where God resides. God resides within you. God is wherever you find Him. His presence is all over the place. So you can contact God wherever you are. Even in prison, God is there. Are you still with me? How many of you remember that God had to visit John on the island of Patmos? That was like a prison situation. But God was there talking with him. Why do you have to go to Jerusalem only to hear God? This religion. Is that okay? <laughs> now, if it is only in Jerusalem that you meet with God, so many of you would never meet with God because buying ticket to Jerusalem is a burden. How many of you even have a passport? Not the talk of going to Jerusalem to meet with God. That's the height of religion. You ask me, will you go to Jerusalem? Oh, not a pilgrim in terms like a Muslim people. I can go to Jerusalem. Sightseeing. Is that okay? Come on, are you here with me? That sightseeing, I can go there. Makes no difference. If you want to try me, give me the ticket and see if I will not go. But I'm not going there to worship God because God is everywhere. Is that okay? Now, I'm not talking about people that will go to Jerusalem, come back with sand, come back with water, and make money out of it. No, no, no. If any water anywhere is pure and holy, the water in your own house, even in your bedroom, is pure and holy. How do I know that? He said, wherever the food shall step upon is a holy ground. Why did he say the food you want to eat, you can sanctify it, that you can make the food holy? So why can't you make the water you are bathing holy? Why is the water holy? Because you are the carrier of the Holy One. Are you with me? First Corinthians 7, 14, the Bible says the woman can sanctify the man or the man can sanctify the woman. So whoever carries the Holy Presence sanctify the other thing. And people come and they sell you sycamore tree, they sell you purple leaf from, from Jerusalem and you pay all your hard money. Let's move on. I want to show you something. All of this thing I'm talking about is talking about the New Testament, which is actually the kingdom of God. So go with me for Amplified Translation to Isaiah 65. I'm going to be reading from 14 to 20. And I want to show you some stuff. 
about you having no need of looking for the ark anywhere, of trying to get the ark, of trying to reconstruct the ark. God said, this will never come to mind. So if your mind is still on those things, you are far away from God's intent and purposes. Behold, my servant shall sing for joy of heart, but he shall cry out for pain and sorrow of heart, and shall wail and howl for anguish, vexation, and breaking of spirit. You know what he's trying to say here? You Jewish people who will not turn to me, you continue to be in bondage, suffering and oppression from the heathen nations. Now let me show you how Jesus put that. Luke chapter 13, verse 27 and 28. Jesus was making reference to this particular passage. 27, 28. But we shall say, I tell you, I do not know where what household. Okay, take it from King James. Let it be simpler for us there. But it shall say, I tell you. Now, some will come and did this in your miracle or whatever. I know you not whence you are. Depart from me, all ye that walk in iniquity. You know what iniquity means? Iniquity means lawlessness. In other words, you can do ministry without law. What law? Not the law of the Old Testament but the law of the Spirit of Christ Jesus, who will set us free from the law of sin and death. Now, here it says, anytime God gives you a word, it becomes a law. So there are general laws, but there are laws that God wants you to operate by on a personal level, as far as ministry is concerned. You see, Paul will say, I have finished my course. His own cause. There was something unique designed for him. Not for everybody. It is in obedience to that cause God is giving to you that you get your reward. Now if you walk out of your cause into another man's cause, you are operating in lawlessness. Even if you are doing signs and wonders and miracles. And that tells you if God really called you, for instance, as an evangelist, you end up trying to be a prophet. You are living in deception. Your reward is not going to be because you are a prophet. No matter how accurate you are, because you are operating under lawlessness. That's what they call workers of iniquity. But look at the next thing, verse 28. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you shall see, you watch this, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and ye yourself what are trusted out. This is the anguish he was talking about. So when is that going to happen? He said the millennial reign? No, 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 no. He's not talking about that. Jesus said, Abraham lived to see my days. What days? The days of his manifestation of the Messiah. Did you get that? Praise the living God. How many of you remember? When Abraham was to slaughter Isaac, there is something you, you miss sometimes when you read that passage in Genesis 22. The Bible says, when they walked to a place, on the third day, they lifted up their eyes and saw. And Abraham told his servant to stay behind. He took only the son to go up there for the third day. How many of you understand what I'm saying? And Jesus said in the book of Luke as well, Today and tomorrow I do cure and I do healing. On the third day I shall be perfected. How many of you understand that? We are in the third day of the Lord. 
And the authority of the Lord speaks at the time of sonship. Only sons can attain to the place of the third day. Not servants. Praise the Lord. So here he's saying there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What he's trying to say is the Jews who are rejecting him are going to go through suffering, especially in the hand of the Romans in AD 70. But those who believe in him, they shall be saved and preserved. That's what he's saying here. So this is actually dealing with the kingdom of God. And that's why he keeps saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. What he means to say, he changed your way of thinking. Repentance is not, oh man, I used to drink, I'm not drinking anymore. That is part of it, but that's not what Jesus was talking about. And sometimes people think the only way for you to repent is to cry. There was nobody that cried in the city of Jerusalem because Jesus said, repent. So what does he tell me to repent? He was simply saying, change your mind from the Old Testament way of looking and serving God to what I'm presenting to you. That's what it means to repent. And that's why he discovered that Jesus Christ went to the baptism of John in River Jordan. Now, the baptism was for repentance. Repenting of what? So what was it that Jesus repented of? Jesus had no sin. What was he repenting of? Who knew no sin? First, I mean, Second Corinthians 5, the Bible says. Who knew no sin? But were made sin. Remember that? So what was he going to repent of? He was repenting of the law. According to Galatians chapter 4. He was born under the law, raised under the law, went to the temple, but a new season was going to come for him to stop observing the laws, and he went there to the baptism of repentance of John the Baptist. He also forsake the law and operate in the kingdom of God. Is anybody following me? So here he says, for those of you who will not change your mind, he was speaking to them in relation to the kingdom of God. This is what is going to happen to you. Praise the living God. Look at the next verse, which is verse... 29, very strengthened. Verse 29. And they shall come from the east, and from the west, and from the north, and from the south, and shall sit down, where? In the kingdom of God. And that is you and I, from the east, from the west, from the north. He's not talking of Israel, he's talking about the Gentiles coming in through faith. Hallelujah. To trust in him, to believe in him. Now, there is something I would like to say. If you look at the Bible, anytime Jesus speaks about great faith, he never said that to a Jewish man. All the time he used the word great faith was to Gentile people. <laughs> Glory to God. Did you understand what I'm saying here? Alright, so that's the point. Now let's go back to Isaiah 65, which is the kingdom uh, message the kingdom of God Isaiah 65 let's look at verse 15 now the Bible says you can go down if you want 15 praise the Lord go back to the Amplified Translation 65 15 Amplified Translation and it says and you will leave your name to my chosen to those who will use it for a cause. And the Lord will slay you. But we call his servants by another name. And this is very interesting. As much greater than the former name as the name Israel was greater than the name of Jacob. Now I'm going to explain something to you here. But the first thing he's saying is, 
You shall lay your name for a cause. Now, this is what was happening. Precisely what he's trying to say here is this. There are servants that are going to come out of you who will trust and believe in me. But for those of you who will not repent or change or come to this understanding, you're still going to be used as a cause. When he says, leave my name for a cause, this is what he's trying to say. He shall leave my name for a cause. What actually happened is this. At that time, how do I explain this to you? But this is the way it was. I was trying to teach my wife on this yesterday. So important. This is the way it was. If you want to pronounce a curse of somebody at that time, you will say, may the Lord deal with you like a Jew. That is now you place a curse on that individual. Why? Because the Jews were all in bondage, in Babylon, in captivity, in imprisonment. Are you following what I'm talking about? So he said, for those of you who will not come to me, I will leave your name. You will leave my name for what? For a cause. You know that people will use you as a means of pronouncing causes on people. <laughs> he said, but I'm going to give you another name. A name that is greater than Jacob. Now, you get that right. I have said it before. The twelve tribes of Israel are not the sons of Jacob. Somebody will get me wrong now. But you see, Jacob never had a child until he became Israel. That's why you call it the house of Israel. He changed his name from Jacob. So here he's saying, I'm going to give you a name that is greater than the name Jacob. I will explain something to you further. Praise the Lord. So, if you want to curse somebody, you say, may the Lord deal with you like the Jews. In other words, he's wishing you suffering, pains. <laughs> Glory to God. But God said, I'm going to change all of that if you believe in me. Now, let me give you an example. Genesis 20, the, the contrast to that. Genesis 20, I mean 49, I'm sorry. Genesis 48 verse 19. Let me give you a contrast so that you can understand what I'm saying. God made you what the Jews is. That's a cause. Now Joseph, remember, had two children and they were brought to his father to bless them. Remember that? In Egypt, which is Ephraim and Manasseh. You know the story, right? When he crossed his hand to bless the other one. Okay, here it goes. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He also shall become a people and shall be great. But this young brother shall be greater than he. And his offering shall become a great multitude of nations. Look at verse 20. And he blessed them that they saying, By you shall Israel bless one another. So when Israel I want to bless you, he said, Be as Ephraim and Manasseh. Are you getting that? By you, <laughs> by you, are you following that? Shall Israel bless one another. So if I look at you and say, may you be as Ephraim and Manasseh, what I'm trying to say is may God prosper you. Then when you go down and say, may you be as a Jew in the hands of God, that means may God punish you. <laughs> 
Are you following what I'm talking about here? I want you to get because it's very important. But remember what God said. If you don't turn to me, I'm going to leave you with a cause. In other words, I'll leave you for the heavens to still use your name as what? As a cause. May you be like the Jews. In other words, may God punish you. Like as he's punishing the Jews who will not repent or believe in him. And the way he said, may God, may you be blessed. As Ephraim and what? And Manasseh. And may God prosper you in whatever thing you are doing. Hallelujah. Are you with me? All right. So all this shall is blessed. That is in the future generation, which is actually what we are. Israel shall take their form of wishing prosperity to anyone or any family from the circumstances of goodwill, which shall be known them to God as done Ephraim and Manasseh. May God make thee as fruitful as Ephraim and multiply thee as Manasseh. So, to their daughters, for instance, when they are getting married, this word the Lord said, the Jewish women are accustomed to saying this, may God make thee as Sarah and Rebecca. Get that? You want to bless a family? May God make you as Ephraim and Manasseh. In other words, be prosperous. Then somebody is getting married. May God make you as what? And who? Rebecca. And remember the blessing God placed on those people when they got married. Their seed shall be multiplied upon the face of the earth. So when they got married, the women would just come. May God make you as Sarah and Rebecca. And therefore the men, may God make you as Ephraim and Manasseh. And for the Jews who will not turn to the Lord, may God make you as what? As a Jew. That's what he said. I'm trying to explain that verse to you so that you can get it. But now he said, For my servants, I'm going to give them another name. Hallelujah. Are you following me? Praise God. Somebody's asking, Pastor David, where is all this sin taking us to? Be patient with me. You will soon catch it. Hallelujah. Now, if you go back to that uh, verse 3, you're talking about the seed of Jacob, second of the servant, that those who are going to be believing Jews, after that time, and they will come to the Lord. This we are referred to as what? His servant, as his chosen one. Look at Isaiah 65, uh, especially 19, and verse 22. Praise the living God. But he said, I'm going to call them by another name, or a new name. That is, it shall no longer be a forsaken house of God because of unbelief, but shall be his delight and married to him. Now, I want you to look at something in Isaiah 62, reading from verse number 1. Isaiah 62, reading from verse number 1. I want to show you something. This is what he said. For Zion's sake will I not hold my peace. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until the righteousness thereof go forth as a brightness and the salvation thereof as a lamb that burneth. And the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness and all thy kings thy glory. And thou shalt be called by a new name which the mouth of the Lord shall name. Thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of thy God. And thou shalt no more be termed forsaken. Now, for those who are forsaken, those are the people that were using their name to say, may you be like the Jews. Are you following me? 
They shall no more be forsaken. Neither shall thy land be any more term desolate. Because they have taken into captivity. But thou shalt be called what? Hephzibah. And thy land shall be called what? Beola. For the Lord delights in thee. And thou shalt be what? Married. Married unto who? Unto the Lord. This is where God's presence comes into you. For he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Hallelujah. Are you still there with me? Now before I show you something, let me show you what happens when God gets married to a person. Let's go to the book of Ezekiel 16. King James, Ezekiel 16. Let's look at verse 2. Very quickly, we're going to read it very quickly before we come back to begin to show you the name now. Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations. Verse 3, very fast. And say, Thus saith the Lord God unto Jerusalem, Thy bed and thy nativity is of the land of Canaan, idolatry. Thy father was an Amorite. You know what the Amorite did unto Israel? And thy mother a Hittite. These are all heathen nations that were idol worshippers and idolatrous people. And God was saying, This is the way you were before I found you. And how many of you remember that even Abraham's father, Terah, was an idol worshipper? Are you with me? Very good. Go on. And he says, And as for thy nativity, in the day that I was born, that never was not taught, neither was thou washed in water to supple thee, thou was not sorted at all, nor swaddled at all. You know what? When you came into existence, everything about you was ugly. Verse 5. None I pity thee to do any of thee unto thee, to have compassion upon thee, but thou wast cast out on the open field to the looting of the person in the day that thou wast born. And when I passed by thee, I saw thee. This is marriage. Watch thee. Polluted in thy own blood, I said unto thee, When was thou in thy blood? Leave ye, I said. Come on. Praise the living God. Okay. So leave I said unto thee, when thou was in thy blood, leave. In other words, I have pity on you. How many of you have seen some women maybe prostitute, give birth to children and dump them in the gutter? Good. God was saying, this was the condition I met you in. But I said, leave. Is that okay? Look at Inezra, verse 7. I have caused thee to multiply on the board of the field, and thou hast increased and waxed great, and thou hast come to excellent abomin, I mean, ornamentation, thy breasts are fashioned, and thy hair is grown, whereas thou was naked and bare. In other words, I begin to nurse you, and you are getting matured every day. Hmm? And it's one of those things you're going to do for your wife. You nurse her, you mature her. Is that okay? Let's look at the next verse. He said, Now, when I pass by thee and look upon thee, behold, the time was a time of love, and I spread my skirt over thee, glory, and covered thy nakedness, yea, I swear unto thee, and enter into a covenant with thee, see the Lord God, and thou becometh what? Mine. I married you because you are matured. Remember, he said, your life shall no longer be called desolate, but what? Beola. Which means what? Marriage. I married you. Now, see what happens when God marries you. 
Look at the next thing, verse number 9. I clothed thee also with broidered work. Beautiful thing. God is clothing you because you are his wife. Listen to me, folks. I don't know why you are so stressful. I mean, you think so much about what the devil is doing, you don't even think about what God is doing in your life. It's amazing to me. How many of you can really see your wife being beaten or messed up by somebody and you keep your eyes and your mouth shut? Is it possible? Practically impossible. Why do you think the devil wants to kill you and God, who is your husband, will open his eyes and be looking? If you who is natural can do this to a natural person, how much more God? No man, even if you insult somebody's wife, the man will get crazy. Am I right? But the church have never come to that realization that they are married to God. And they think the devil has more power than God. So the devil messes them up every day. And God just fold his hand and be watching. It's because we don't have understanding of that simple word. The Lord is there. First Corinthians 17. He that is joined to the Lord is what? One spirit. Look at the next thing. I clothed thee also with bread and work, and, and, and showed thee with badges, skin, and I gave thee about with fine linen, and I covered thee with what? With sick. God is out to make provision for your life. Because you are married to him. Verse 11. I dead thee also with ornaments, and I put bracelets upon the hands, and a chain on the neck. My goodness. God wants to beautify somebody. I did all this. I want some glory to be revealed in and through you. Listen to me. Every husband is so proud of the wife. How many of you remember King Ahasuerus? Huh? Versus husband. The man was having a show. And he said, oh man, let me prove to you my kingdom. How beautiful my wife is. Go call my wife. Let her come and show her beauty to these people. Let her know I have a queen. Every man is proud of the wife. Why do you think God will not be proud of you? Why do you think God will allow the devil to mess you up? How can the devil be allowed to mess up the wife of God? Who you are? You just lack understanding. Glory to God. I just was sharing with you people yesterday. You see, when things go wrong in your home, sort yourself. The devil has nothing to do with it. You know what happens? In marriages, things are going wrong. The next thing we do is to be singing songs that have no meaning. Eh? Maybe the woman just starts in the morning, and no marry demon leave it. And no marry. He's singing because of the man. You know that he's trying to say the man is oppressing me. That will not solve your problem. Especially if the man begins to hear what you are singing. And both of you just quarrel. Huh? And the next day the man will show up and say, and like I said the other time, some of you will turn and say, Satan, don't fall for God, thou, macham, macham. And the man will say, oh, very good. So I am now the Satan. The next day he says, okay, since I'm the Satan, leave my house. What are you going to do? I tell people, check the Bible. You will see the scripture making you understand. God anointed Jesus with power and the Holy Ghost. God anointed the deacons with Holy Ghost and wisdom. God anointed Barnabas with Holy Ghost and faith. 
God anointed the brethren with Holy Ghost and joy. You need something for the Holy Ghost to solve your problem. What you need to solve your problem is wisdom, not Holy Ghost fire. You pray Holy Ghost fire, Holy Ghost fire. So the fire should consume your husband. Because it's the devil. You're wasting time. In the true sense, it is you that needs the Holy Ghost fire. Because the Bible says, when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you shall be witnesses unto me. Now you pray Holy Ghost on the devil, what are you doing? You are empowering the devil. No wisdom. He said, when the Holy Ghost shall come upon you, you shall receive power, and you shall be witnesses unto me. Now you turn the thing around and pray it upon the devil. So the devil has more power to deal with you. Ignorance. Look at the next verse. Don't shut it down, my friend. I'm still there. The next verse, very quickly. And I pull a jewel on your forehead. Glory to God. And earrings on the ears. And a beautiful crown upon what? The head. I make that. I would like to stop here. Let me go down to what I'm dealing with. But I'm trying to make you see how God is so interested in you as the bride. And He wants to clothe you. He wants to bring you to the place where when men look at you, they will see His glory. From that day, it shall be called, the Lord is there. Now, let's go back to our story, Nazar 65. <clears throat> and I said, he said, I'm going to give you another name, 15, right? 65, 15. Call Isabel by another name, a small greater name than the name of Israel that was greater than Jacob. What new name do you think God was going to call his people? Think about it. Turn with me into the book of Acts chapter 11. In that day, in generations to come, I'm going to call you by another name. <laughs> Glory to God. Instead of using the name, may God punish you as the Jews. I'm going to give you another name. Are you listening to me? So that even on the earth, you are going to bless yourself by the name of these new people. <laughs> Glory to God. So just like you bless people with Manasseh and Ephraim, just like you bless women with Sarah and Rebecca, we come into a season where the whole world are going to bless themselves by the name of the new nature of God. Is anybody understanding this? Okay. Verse 11, verse 25, Isaiah, I mean Acts eleven twenty-five. I'll show you the new name. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. Saul of Tarsus. Is that okay? Let, 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 let me say this before I go on. Just keep it there. You know Saul, Saul had the Roman citizens. I mean, if you understand that. Saul had a Roman citizenship. Right? And when they were to deal with Paul, in prison, he made mention of something. He said, do you want to flog a Roman citizen? And the centurion said, what do you mean? Are you a Roman citizen? He said, yes, my father was. I'm born a Roman citizen, Sicily. And he said, what do you mean? I bought the citizenship with money. Paul said, I'm a free born of Roman citizen. And they stopped to flog him. 
Now what does that tell you? If you know your citizenship, the devil will be afraid of you. But the problem is you don't know. So the devil comes to intimidate you, you are frightened. Paul got himself free by declaring his citizenship. And that's the end of the matter. And I've already told you here, you are first of all citizens of God, but you're living here on the earth as ambassadors of God, and every ambassador lives at the embassy of God, and so we are ambassadors because we live at the embassy of God. And now tell me where another nation wants to intimidate an ambassador from another country. It's never allowed. It's never seen. That is because you don't know who you are. And the Bible says we are ambassadors of Christ. How many of you understand that? And every ambassador lives out where? At the embassy. And every embassy in another nation is a country in another country. So you are citizens of heaven but living on the earth. And I cannot explain enough to you how that the devil cannot even touch you except he seek permission from your own country which is in heaven. And somebody said, David, you started again. I always start. Now you listen to this. Have you read the story of Job? Job chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3? When Satan came and wanted to try Job, do you know the question Satan asked? He told God, have you pulled this edge around him for nothing? Does he serve you for nothing? What about this edge? That means the devil knew there was an edge because this man was living at the embassy of God on the earth. He had to first obtain permission. It was only because God said, touch him, that Satan was able to do what? To touch him. Why are you so frightened in life? It's because you don't know your citizenship. You don't know that you are an ambassador and that you live at the embassy of God. Man, you should be walking this earth. See, as you walk on the road, have this consciousness with you. You are not only just alone, God is with you. And not just that, there are angels who are supposed to be the military guards all around you. How many, how many can imagine the president of the country going on the road and there are no military escorts? Even governors. If their wives, their children are going to the market, there are mobile police to guide them. And you think God left you alone to walk the road without angelic spirits that are all around you? Man, you need to ensure your fear if you are truly the wife of God. God is not only ready to provide, He's also ever ready to protect you. You only need to maintain your relationship with Him. Glory to God. So what's the name? Then the father Paul silence to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that the whole year they assembled themselves with the church. And taught much people. And the disciples were what? Called Christian first were in our talk. This is the new name. Did you get that? This is the new name. So that is why you see when he say, for Zion's sake, I will not rest. For Zion's sake, unto the peace and the glory that is Zion listen to me you know what I'm trying to make you understand the whole nation shall blend themselves through the Christian community 
That's why I say you are the salt of the earth. That's why I say you are the light of the world. Are you see following what I'm talking about? The whole Christian community is what God has established on the face of the earth. It's no longer the issue of being a Jew. No. So just like they were saying, may you be as a Jew in the hands of God. It's not going to be, may you be a Christian in the hands of God. God is blessing humanity and you can bless humanity. And that's why when you come to the house of God, you have to be ready to be blessed. Because here, God wants to bless his people with a new name that is greater than just being a Jew. In this realm that we are, there's neither Jew nor Greek. Everyone is one. And that is... Now, how many of you understand what Christian really means? We're talking about the life of God residing within you. They were acting as Christians. That's what they... I mean, as Christ. That's what they called them Christians. The word Christian actually comes from the word Christos, meaning Christ-like. Their attitude, their language was Christ-like. And God looked at them. And the people said, man, these guys, they are Christians. See, this is not the first time men actually name people. So remember, if in the initial time they were naming and cursing people with Israel, may you be as a Jew. It was people that were using that. You follow what I'm talking about? It was not God that was using that. It was not God that was calling them. But this was the experience of these people. And this is how they were applying that name. May you be what? As a Jew in the hands of God. That is to say, may God punish you. Hmm? But now, we come to another realm and he said, I'm going to give you another name. Why? I'm going to reside in you. I'm going to be married to you. How many of you understand that Christ is the head of the church and we are married to the church? Are you following what I'm talking about? The first time Jesus was in Nazareth, they were calling them the Nazarene. And then when he started having his headquarters in Galilee, they were calling them Galileans. Then when he came to Antioch, they became what? Christians. That's the name that's attached to the followers of who? Of Jesus Christ. And how many of you understand that Jesus came and it's a blessing for the whole universe? Glory to God. That is why you have to understand that where you belong to today is a community that is blessed by God. And I'm saying to you, you can bless your household in this new name. Why? Because the Lord is there. He said, I will not forsake you, neither will I leave you. I'm going to be with you all the way to the end of the age. This is what I have for you this morning. I'll pick it up next week. Stand up and let's begin to pray. Stand up and let's begin to pray. You got to get a new name. You can bless your household. And we're going to pray that prayer right now. I want you to bless your family. Bless your neighbor. Listen, people were cursing neighbors with one name. But now you can bless your neighbors. You can bless your family. You can bless your children. Begin to pray. Begin to pray. Bless your wife. Bless your husband. Bless your family. In the name of the Lord. This is a new name. From that day, it shall be called the Lord is there. You can bless the family. You can bless your household. You can bless yourself in a new name. You have him. You have him. Speak whatever you need to speak into your life. From that day, it shall be called the Lord is there. You can bless your family. You can bless your home. 
May your death be as Manasseh and that of Ephraim. May your women be as Sarah and Rebecca. You can bless your family. May you be Christ-like. May the blessings of the Lord come upon you. Talk to your father. Talk to your father. Talk to your father. Talk to your father. You can. You can release that blessing this morning. May we're cursing with the name of a Jew. Now you can bless with the name of Christ. You can bless. The Lord is there. So many of us don't know who we are. We don't understand who we are. That is why the devil is taking advantage of our foolishness. But this God will change. The devil has no power over you. The devil has no power over your family. Release the blessing. Release the blessing. Release the blessing. Release the blessing. Release wisdom. Release understanding. Bless the household of faith. Bless your children. Name them now. Lay your blessing upon them. You can do it. Whoever you bless is blessed. And you can bless in His name. This is the new name. This is the name of God's kingdom. You can bless your family. Whoever you bless this morning is blessed. Bless them. Bless them. Bless them. Bless them. Bless them. I tell you, you can bless somebody right now. Begin to bless. 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 Not cursing but blessing. Bless your children. Bless your children. Bless your children. Bless your children. Yes, Lord. May your children be fruitful. May your wife be fruitful. May your children be fruitful. May your wife be fruitful. Let the blessing come. That's a new name. So I'm giving you a name. That is different and a better name. Men can no longer look down on you because you are a believer. Men can no longer look down on you because you are a Christian. Men can no longer look down on you. You are Christ. You are Christ on your inside. Bless your neighbor. Bless the household of faith. Bless them. Bless them. Bless them. You have the power. Bless your neighbors. Yes, bless your neighbors. Bless them. Bless them. Bless your neighbors. Speak to your neighbor. Bless them. Speak words of life to your neighbors right now. You can bless them. You can bless them. You can bless them. You have what it takes to bless them. Because God lives on your inside. The Lord is there. The Lord is inside you. You can bless them.